0: We all love an overcomer. I mean, don't, don't you just love somebody who fights against the odds, who doesn't quit, who rises above their circumstances, who doesn't allow limitations to hold them back? And that, just something about us as humans that we value that, we cherish that. We love the Stephen Currys of the world. Some of you, you know who Stephen Curry is. Uh, some of you do probably. You know he, uh, he, was an NBA, he is an NBA superstar. He plays for the Golden State Warriors. He's the greatest shooting guard in NBA history. Unanimously voted that. I mean, he's like unbelievable what he can do. But when he was younger, he was told he was too small, too weak, too slow to even receive a scholarship to, for college basketball. Can you believe that? But he outworked everybody, and he's gone on to become the MVP of the NBA. He's a devout Christian. And without question, he is an overcomer. All of us love stories like that. I mean, we love those kind of stories. And I think we love them because each of us has been made by God to be, to become an overcomer. We've all been made for that. But to become that kind of person, we've got to learn to rise above the various limitations that threaten to hold us back, to, to keep us down. And this message and this message series is going to help us head in the direction of becoming overcomers. Uh, We all need encouragement. We all need incentive. We all need inspiration in that direction. And hopefully this message series will do that. We're going to learn from some of the great overcomers in Scripture. If If we wanted to, we could have weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of a message series on this because the Bible is so full of overcomers. But we're going to limit it to uh, several weeks instead. But today we're going to focus and begin the series on an individual by the name of Joseph. Most of you are familiar with Joseph. We're not talking about Joseph, the adoptive father of Jesus. We're talking about Joseph, the son of Jacob, whom Jesus' adoptive father was named after. So we're going to talk about it. If you've got your Bible, open it to Genesis 37 with me, if you would. Genesis chapter 37, if you don't have a Bible, grab one in the chair on the shelf in front of you, or if you're at home listening in via live stream, you can grab one there, or you can, uh, if you don't have one nearby, you can follow along. But we're going to read about this individual, kind of the beginning of what the scripture talks about with this uh, individual's name, Joseph, and uh, we're going to start Genesis chapter 37 with verse 2, and we will read uh, on. All right, follow along with me in your Bible there. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, how old is he? 17. 17. So file that away because that's significant. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things that his brothers were doing. Let's pause. Note to siblings among us, this does not generally endear you to your brothers and sisters, right? Uh, But Joseph did this. Verse 3 goes on to say that Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, So you think you'll be our king, do you? You actually think you'll reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. And Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream, he said. Don't you know what they all said? Great, 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 tell us about it. This is their response, you know, this is what's really going on. And so he does, he says, the sun, moon, and eleven stars bowed low before me. Don't you know he said it with a smile on his face? And bowed before me. And this time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their flocks, their father's flocks at Shechem. And when they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, your brothers are pasturing, pasturing, there you go, pasturing, there's a lot of similarity there, but anyway, pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready and I'll send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Go and see how your brothers and flocks are getting along, Jacob said, And and then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph traveled to Shechem uh, from their home in the Valley of Hebron. Now, we could read on, but we're not going to this morning. I encourage you on your own time to read on. But from this point on, basically, uh, uh, Joseph's young life quickly begins to be overrun with problems and limitations and hardships that were not of his choosing. When he finally finds his brothers, Joseph was sold as a slave, if you read on by his brothers, no less, to some Midianite traders who were headed for Egypt, was not the dream that Joseph had had. It was the antithesis of the dream. And then once he's a slave in Egypt, if you read on, you find out that due to a bad uh, turn of events, he ends up in an Egyptian prison. So this is the definition of life going from bad to worse. He's now in an Egyptian prison. But what we find as we read on about his life, because of his character, because of his faith in God, because of his perseverance against all odds, Joseph rose from prisoner to becoming the prime minister of Egypt. And the day came when all of his family came and actually did bow before him, just like the original dreams. Now, for the next few weeks, we're going to learn from Joseph's experiences, we're going to learn from Scripture how to be overcomers, how to become that kind of a person, and today we're going to just focus on how do we rise above some of the limitations that come in our lives, that show up in our lives. In the early days of Joseph's life, he had numerous shortcomings, numerous limitations, some that he was probably aware of, but I'm convinced that probably some of these he was unaware of, or at least unaware of the direct trajectory that they would lead his life, and I want to highlight a few of those. And as I do this, I just encourage you to be thinking about not only his limitations, but what are some of the limitations that God has allowed to be present in your life and mine? Because here's the thing. To become an overcomer, somehow, some someway, sometime, we've got to rise above those things. And how we intuitively think to rise above them, what if our intuitive ways of doing it actually get in the way of us overcoming. What we're going to do is learn from uh, Joseph here, and I'm just highlight some of his personal limitations and just reflect on these with me for a few moments. Joseph had all these personal limitations. Now, everybody has them, but Joseph's involved this. I mean, he was young. He was 17 years old, the text tells us. And because of his youth, I mean, even if he had a great relationship in every other way with his brothers. The fact is, I mean he's 17. How how, how many older brothers have the utmost respect for their 17-year-old, 16-year-old younger brother, sister, you, you know, there's there's a tendency, isn't there, to just kind of think you talk a lot about how much you know, but you don't know what you don't know. It's what you think as you're older. And this is going on in Joseph's life. They lacked his brothers lacked respect for his insights, for his dreams, and, and so forth. And you know, we see here in the text that he was, uh, another limitation, he was relationally inexperienced. How do I know that? He had no clue on some level what his visions of grandeur were going to do to his brothers. See, if you read the text, what's really going on is he has these dreams, these visions, and he starts talking about them. That was mistake number one. But he starts talking about it, and all it did was stoke the fires of inadequacy and insecurity in his brother's hearts. And then when he began to see that happening, we see his relational inexperience because he doesn't change course. He just keeps it up. Just records a couple of dreams. You kind of get the sense that, like, this was not a one- or two-time occurrence in his life, and yet he's got a ready-made audience. He just makes his brothers the audience. There's a limitation, a personal limitation, which, which highlights another limitation that he had, and that was what I would just call some character immaturity. I mean, at some level, you can't fault him. He's 17. But I want you to think about this. Do you suppose it ever entered 17-year-old Joseph's mind that his brothers might not like his dreams of him ruling over them? Suppose it ever entered his mind that they wouldn't like that? Of course it entered his mind. Of course it did. I mean, what 17-year-old doesn't have moments when they wish they could rule over their brothers and sisters and parents for that matter? Every 17-year-old has that. Joseph had this going on in his head. And so I think there was with a little bit of spite that's probably part of why he kept telling the dreams kind of give it to him a little bit what do you think about this with me these are joseph some of his limitations what kind of limitations are going on in your life probably some relational limitations uh, some of us it's not that we're young it's that we're older Some of us are limited by the fact that there are those around us who ought to respect us, and yet they don't, or don't to the degree that we think they should. We're all limited by our own character immaturities, because the fact is, we all have got them. And even if you mature in one area of character, guess what? As life continues, there's still more, still more. One of Joseph's limitations was not just these things. I mean, he was also limited by the limitations of others, as we all are. I mean, just think of his brothers. His brothers literally were jealous and hated him, the text says. Do you notice how many times it echoes that sort of thinking? They hated Joseph because their father loved him more than them. Look at verse 3 and 4 one more time in the biblical text. It just says, that Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. Now, I'm going just pause right there and ask you, was that Joseph's fault? Answer me. No. It wasn't his fault. He had nothing to do with that. It's what he inherited, though. Then the passage goes on and says, So one day Jacob made a special gift for Joseph, a beautiful robe. Most we'll of the other translations say a coat of many colors, as you know. It's just like it's a, in that day, this was a very special thing because to get dyed clothing was a very price, uh, precious kind of thing. It was a very expensive thing in their day. So they hated him. His brothers hated, verse 4, Joseph, because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Joseph inherited their hatred, their jealousy. He was also faced with his parents' uncertainty and skepticism about God's call in his life. If you look at verse 10, the passage goes on and says about how, you know, he told his dream to his father as well as to his brothers, and his father scolded him. Look at verse 10 the, when the father starts speaking. What kind of dream is that? He asked, Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? While his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. His father was, he was publicly skeptical, privately reflective, But whichever way you look at it, it's not a ringing endorsement of God's call and God's dreams in his life, right? It was a limitation. Now, with all that in mind, all of us are surrounded by people who have limitations. Lori, my wife, is influenced, whether she likes it or not, by my limitations and I by hers and and you by mine and me by yours and all of us by each other's. We're surrounded by... With all of us who have shortcomings and limitations. So, what can we learn from Joseph about how to overcome these kinds of limitations in life, as well as all the other hardships that are unpredictable that can come our way? I want to highlight for you two repetitive responses that Joseph makes whenever he's faced with some sort of limitation. It shows up in today, in, in what we're talking about today. And if you notice through the next weeks, this These responses will show up over and over again. And I highlight that for you. I encourage you to maybe make notes of the next two things. Because these two responses characterize Joseph and need to characterize our lives if we're going to be an overcomer. The first response that Joseph just repetitively demonstrated when he was faced with some sort of limitation was this. Even at an age of 17, he begins doing this. He embraced humility lessons that came his way uninvited. He embraced humility lessons that came his way uninvited, when Joseph ended up a slave against his wishes, he was betrayed by his brother. Think of the range of responses he could have made. I mean, he could have, he could have assumed that he was entitled to a different life. He could have fought the whole thing. It, 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 it's what he could have done. But what did he do? What we find in the biblical text is that instead he embraced the, this circumstance that was beyond his choosing humbly as an opportunity what's he do with that opportunity? He becomes the best slave one could ever imagine becoming. How counterintuitive is that? he, he He viewed the limitation as an opportunity to grow in humility. It's the only way you make it through this kind of thing. And then when circumstances turned against him again, and he ends up a prisoner in Egypt, what's he do? He becomes the best prisoner you could ever imagine. And this, if you read the Psalms, after he was tortured for a time. You read in Psalm 105 some of the things that happened to him. I mean, they he used to beat people's feet in ancient times. You just think of the excruciating pain that that would be. And even after that, He just embraces it as an opportunity to learn humility, and as a result, over time, what's he do? He creates, by his humility, opportunity for a different course. If he'd have fought it, if he'd have raged at God, if he'd raged at people, what would he have done? He would have entrapped himself right there. This is so counterintuitive to how we think, so counterintuitive to our culture. But he embraced the difficulties of his life with a humility spirit. And as a result, the time came when God elevated him from those circumstances. First response, he embraced humility lessons second response that he does this over and over again, just as we go in the coming weeks. Just watch for these themes that show up over and over. Second response is similar to the first, but it's a little different. And that's this. He chose to be patient. He chose patience was what he did. We don't like patience. We want patience now is how we are. But Joseph, he's in the pit Thrown there by his brothers, he's a slave in Egypt, he's falsely accused, he's a prisoner in a jail cell, and what's he do? He patiently endures the disappointment, the injustice, the waiting, what he didn't deserve, and all the time, what's he doing? He's not putting timelines on God, he's not doing that, he's not making unrealistic expectations of the people in his life. He's humbly and patiently waiting for God to act on his behalf. And anybody who's going to overcome has to learn to humbly embrace the circumstances of life as an opportunity to grow in character and humility and choose patience. That's what you've got to do. Are any of us this morning facing any situations where we need to learn from Joseph and the Holy Spirit is saying to us, you know, in your situation, I'm inviting you to choose patience. I'm inviting you to view the circumstances of your life differently as an opportunity to embrace humility rather than to rage. or choose entitlement of some sort. These are two attitudinal responses that are the foundation upon which overcoming becomes possible. Without these two choices, um, you don't escape. You don't escape hardship. You just don't escape it. So this morning, the invitation is, will you choose patience? Will you embrace humility? Because those two choices repetitively made create the foundation from which you and I can become an overcomer, sort of like that little girl we watched at the beginning. I want to close with a short parable this morning. that has been told and retold. It's been adapted in various ways. Uh, some of you have heard some of the adaptations because my wife beat me to the parable about a year ago. Go figure, it's one of my crosses to bear <laughs> that I've got to overcome. But uh, <clears throat> the parable, uh, this version of it goes sort of like this. Parables told of an old dog that fell into a farmer's well. After assessing the situation, the farmer, the old farmer, sympathized with the dog but decided that neither the dog nor the deep well were worth the trouble of saving. The well wasn't in very good shape, so it became his plan to bury the old dog in the well and put him out of his misery since he couldn't get him out. The farmer began shoveling dirt into the well. Initially, the old dog was hysterical, but as the farmer continued shoveling, the parable says... And as the dirt hit his back, it dawned on the dog that every time a shovel of, uh, load of dirt landed on his back, he should just shake it off, step on it. So that's what he did. Blow after blow, shovel load after shovel load, shake it off and step up, shake it off and step up, shake it off and step up, he repeated to himself for what seemed like Forever. No matter how painful or distressing the situation seemed, the old dog fought panic and just kept shaking it off and stepping up until finally the battered and exhausted old dog was able to triumphantly step out of that well. Joseph learned to humbly and patiently shake it off and step up because he embraced humility because he chose patience, and if you and I will no longer give in to panic or bitterness or self-pity, if we will actively embrace humility and choose patience, the day can come when we can step above that which has been holding us back. I want to encourage you to read the story, the rest of the story of Joseph's life this week. So that's your assignment for this week. Genesis 37 is where it begins. Chapter 38 is sort of a different chapter, so a different topic. But chapter 37, and then from 39 to chapter 50 of Genesis. Read all of that. We'll be looking at a lot of that over the course of the coming weeks. And then I invite you to join us next week as we'll be talking about overcoming temptation and we'll be learning some, uh, just got some fresh insights on all of that from Joseph and I want to invite you to come back. Let's stand together. Next week, we're going to have uh, some baptisms as well. And uh, as Tara was sort of highlighting earlier, I just want to encourage you, you know, if you want to overcome, uh, just want to invite you to reach out your hand, your heart to the one who is the overcomer. I mean, Jesus, he's the one who can help you and will walk with you through all of this. He's the one who can help you to view the circumstances of your life through, and embrace them with humility. He's the one who can help you to choose patience in the midst of it. Without him, it's at best really, really hard, if not impossible. So I encourage you. encourage you to reach out to Jesus if you need to do that. hope you'll join us next week as we share in some baptisms as well. As Tara said, if, you, if that needs to be you, uh, let us know. We want to include you, all right? Let's bow our heads, pray, and then uh, we'll be dismissed this morning. hope you'll reflect on all this. Heavenly Father, so grateful that you have overcome the world, that you have reached out to us in love, that you're calling us to walk in your ways. You want to help break the limitations off of us. You You want to help us rise above those things. And if we'll choose your ways, uh, you act on our behalf. As you've done for Joseph, would you do for us that we might honor you and represent you well, that our world might be a better place, our families, more harmonious places. We want to walk in your power and in your presence. Lord, I know we got all kinds of people with challenges going on in their lives. Would you fill us with faith Fill us with the courage, the humility, the patience that we see in Joseph. And we'll give you the credit for the good that comes when one day we rise above the challenges in our lives. So grateful for your grace. May your spirit rest on everyone here in this place. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.